What's poppin' internet? This is Calvin coming at you once again with another intro for this week's episode. What are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about the Blake Griffin trade. We're also going to be talking about the DeMarcus Cousins injury, the Kevin Love injury, some big names that are not going to be around for the next couple of months. We're going to talk about what that means for their prospective teams. We're also going to have a little bit of fun and talk about the dunk contest, the participants, and who do we think is going to win. So stay tuned. What's poppin' internet? This is the Pace and Space podcast, the official podcast of Kyle Kuzma. I'm your host, Calvin, and with me once again, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Leif. What's going on, Leif? Man, I'm doing great. What's going on, everybody? This is going to be a fun, fun podcast. We got a lot to talk about. There's been some trade news, some big, big trade news. There's been some injury news. There's even been some all-star news. So we're going to talk about all of that tonight on the episode. And we got to start off with the big trade that went down this week. And, of course, I'm talking about the trade of Nikola Mirotic to the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> No, but seriously, while we are going to get into that a little bit, the big trade, the trade that surprised, I think, everyone across the basketball world was the L.A. Clippers traded Blake Griffin to the Detroit Pistons for Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Boban, and a first and second round pick. Man, that's that's a heck of a deal, isn't it, Life? Man, that's a lot that they gave up for him. But at the same time, if you got a guy of his, of Blake's talent level, you got to go for it. And like Stan said, when he saw he was available, he was ready to go for it. So he pulled the trigger. He went for it. Right. It's you know, there's been a lot of talk about Blake's contract, his his injury history. But I think at the end of the day, if you're Stan Van Gundy, how many chances or opportunities do you get to land somebody with Blake Griffin's talent right exactly right so I want to break this down into a couple parts first off I want to discuss it in terms of the Clippers perspective what are your thoughts in regards to the Clippers do you think this was a good move for them I think it was I think at this point they're trying to free up some cap room I Think this brings them under the luxury tax i think they also were in a point where it's easy to say keep the same players together keep griffin and keep deandre but it seems that they're in rebuild mode and for what it's worth i think it's time i think it's time to start thinking about how you can prepare this team for the future and a deal like this where you're able to um, trade one of your star players and get back what you got back. I mean, Tobias Harris is a is a really good player. He's have he's having a great season, 
and you get back some other pieces that you can use, you gotta go for it, and you get some picks back. So, if if I'm the Clippers and I saw that kind of offer, there there won't be too much hesitation on my part. I would go for it too. Yeah. Okay. I get that, and I know this has been hailed as a very smart decision by the Clippers. I kind of disagree with it, even though I wasn't a fan of how they leveraged or, you know, obliterated their cap space by re-signing Blake and then signing Gallinari. Mostly the Gallinari signing was the more egregious of it, but... My problem wasn't so much that they gave Blake the money. It was they gave him the money and the team they built around him. I agree that they should blow. They should have blown it up. I don't necessarily agree that Blake was the guy to move on from in blowing it up. Because I think if you reassess, you reevaluate, and you move on from guys like DeAndre Jordan, you find some way I mean it's probably impossible but you find some way to move on from Gallinari even and you get some more guys of like the Patrick Beverly or you know Avery Bradley Lou Williams guys of that ilk I think you start building a team that makes more sense moving forward because my biggest problem with this is you trade your best player your franchise piece um you know, for cast space and flexibility and all that, but who, who honestly are they expecting to get in free agency either this summer or next summer? You know, who who has really been a big free agent signing that has come to the Clippers in the past? I mean, Elton Brand. <laughs> That's like the only guy that comes to my mind, and. There's been some talk like maybe Paul George or LeBron's going to come there. I, I highly doubt they're going to be able to do that, especially the way they just sent Blake packing after giving him the whole sales pitch of how he's going to retire as a Clipper for life. I mean, mind you, the Clippers have never had a signature marquee Clipper player. Like, who is the guy that you think of as a player when you think of the Clippers? Danny Manning. Wow, that's depressing. <laughs> like you literally just said Danny Manning, like that was a, like that was a good name. It's mad that that name popped up at the top of my head. <laughs> I yeah, that's that's sad, man. That is really sad. Like, I mean, when we were coming up, when we were teenagers, I you know they they had a little flash with like Hugh Richardson and Darius Miles, but those guys flopped. We know we all know what happened with Baron Davis and Elton Brand. That was. That was never going to work right. We all know how they squandered um, when they drafted Lamar Odom. They, they've never had that guy. Blake's been there for eight or nine years now. He, you legitimately had a chance to say, this is, this is how we treat our franchise players. And, yes, you're in L.A., but I, I, me personally, I don't think other players are going to forget that. Unless most people in the league just don't like Blake in general and they don't care that that happened to him. But I think you're going to start seeing like, not seeing, but I think it's going to be hard for big names to want to commit there because what? who are the Clippers? What are the Clippers? What kind of organization are they? What What is their 
what is their culture as a franchise? And to that point, I think that ties into what LeBron had to say when he mentioned on how a, a team can just trade a player and it's good for business. And this trade was strictly a business decision, mm-hmm. even to the point where Blake said he found out about the trade the same time everyone else found out about the trade. So they didn't even give him the decency to give him a call to let him know that, hey, you're about to be traded. They just sprung it on him, which was that, that was horrible. Right. But I agree with you. They don't have an identity. The This team, like Doc, Doc is out at the end of the season. I don't see any way you know, Doc Rivers stays past this season. Um, this is a team that's going to look to change its culture. And who's going to be part of that? I don't know. I don't know if changing the culture means that you're going to start taking away some of these pieces. And I agree. Blake was one of those players who you thought, sh- who I felt, should finish off as a Clipper. Yeah. Um, he's He's been he's been here he had the opportunity to leave we know he could have went anywhere else I mean, he's talented enough to have gone somewhere and get max money but he decided to stay with you and the loyalty that you give him is what a handful of months and then you just ship him off to detroit yeah i mean we're still in the so. first year of the contract you just signed him to like like think about that like People want to say that, oh, this contract is going to be an albatross. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Right now, in this first year of the contract, he's performing as you should expect him to perform. Exactly. He's only 28, 29 years old. Yeah, that that contract might be worrisome at 32, 33. But think of, but that's two, three years down the line. I mean, unless he gets another season-ending injury, which is possible, but... It's not something you should necessarily bank on at this point. I mean, you you gotta you gotta realize that he is a star. He's still a star. He produces like a star when he's on the court. When he came back from the when he came back from injury, all of a sudden that Clipper team was back in the playoff hunt. I mean, yeah, a lot of that had to do with Lou Williams and his scoring outbursts as well. But the fact is, they needed they needed Blake back on the court to do a lot of the things that they were doing. And exactly. they looked real good to start the season. Then when he went down, they looked terrible. He comes back, they look much better again. Like that's not a coincidence. And you traded this guy, and you know now are you trying to like be in the middle, or are you gonna blow it up? Because now they're also talking about maybe moving Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan. If you do that, you're not trying to stay competitive in the middle. You're trying to blow it up, and. You're trying to blow it up, but you also got players that are going to make it too hard to tank because you got Avery Bradley, you got Tobias Harris. Even if you get rid of Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan, those are guys that make it, you know, they make it tough to just bottom out because they're going to play hard, especially Avery Bradley who's trying to get a contract this summer. Right. And and They're not going to bottom out. And and then that's the thing. But see, the thing is, like, I'm sorry to cut you up, but the thing is, if you don't bottom out as as you yes, you got a lot of pieces in this trade, but what is the blue chipper you're selling your future and you're selling the fans on by moving on from Blake Griffin? 
is it that first round pick again from the Pistons? Because if the the Pistons are probably gonna make the playoffs now. I mean, we'll get into the Pistons, but the Pistons are gonna are probably gonna make the playoffs now that they got Blake Griffin. So what kind of pick are you really looking at? Somewhere in the fifteen to twenty range this year? You're not looking at anything good. Like, I You're mean, not. granted, you can get a steal. You can get a steal in that draft, but that is not that is not considered a blue chip asset. You could be really smart with your draft and end up acquiring a blue chip asset, but in itself, before you make that pick, it is not a blue chipper. So the only blue chip asset you could really get is if you bottomed out and your own pick turned into a top five pick. But they're, but they're not going to be able to do that this year. And, you know, they still haven't moved on from Jordan. They still haven't moved on from these other guys. And then, you know, we have to see. Like, maybe this is Doc's last year. But... The thing is, I still feel like Doc's hand was kind of involved in this trade. I mean, a lot of people want to credit this trade to Jerry West. He's, you know, he's thinking of the future. He's, you know, he's trying to get the Clippers out of their own way. But look at, but look, they didn't, they didn't make a trade where they got, because look, they didn't get Luke Kennard in this trade. They didn't get Stanley Johnson in this trade. They didn't get any of these high first round picks that the Pistons got the last couple of years. And their own pick is not going to be that great. But what did they do? What did they get? They got competitive players that play right now. Boban is a veteran. He's on the Spurs. He's been on a couple other teams. Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley's a Doc guy. Doc Rivers coached him in Boston. I don't think that's a coincidence. And then you got Tobias Harris. You know, if you squint real hard, you might try to convince yourself, you know, Tobias Harris can give us 90% of what Blake Griffin does. So we're still in this playoff race. I feel like there's a lot of Doc still in this in this trade decision. And even if not, you know, and I, I don't think this was a Jerry West move too because remember, Lawrence Frank is the GM now. But Lawrence Frank has been the GM working in concert with Dark Rivers this whole time. So who's to say he really thinks any different than Doc does on player on on player evaluations? This He's also a coach, so he has a coach's mindset. He may right. do a little better with the contracts, but he's going to approach this a lot like Doc Rivers would, and that is from the prism of a coach. So I don't I don't really think like they've made this move for the future. I think they just made this move to get out of the contract. And then the thing is, if you did that just to get out of the contract, you're telling me you have buyer's remorse already three months into the season? That's where I feel like this is a business decision. Right, so it's a business decision, but it's only half of the business side. Yeah, you cleared up your cap space or potentially cleared up your cap space, but who's your marquee draw? Who's filling in those season? Who's getting those season ticket holders to re up? I don't know. Right. So yeah, Lost you. Op- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you freed up your cap room, but you've damaged your revenue. I agree with you. I, I, I agree that why while they made this trade and while they got a, a decent return back, if it were me, you know, I'm going to say, hey, let me see how I can continue making this work. Let me add players. It's not like, yeah, right now you're out of the playoffs, but let's not act like this team is all bad. You, you dealt with injury. You, you, you A lot of the guys you had on your team who got you – to this point, you know, we're hurt. And so now you're starting to get healthy. You, you got gone on your back. You, so you start, you start to think that, well, 
maybe now we can start competing, get ourselves in a position to actually make the playoffs run. But hey, be competitive. That's what I feel like where it was all about business. Now, at the same time, I like the point you made when you said that, hey, maybe right now they're looking and saying they're still from a coaching mentality that you know, they're still going to try to win. If they weren't trying to win, then I would have even more of a problem because, like I said, they're only not far out of the playoffs. They're still in it. So if you're a guy or a coach or a GM, especially a GM who used to be a coach, your game plan is not to just give up on the season. You got some picks. You got some players. You're going to try to win, but you're also trying to build for the future. So in all, I'm not the huge fan of the trade. I'm not, especially on a part of the Clippers. Oh, on the Clippers side, that's what I meant. But at the same time, I can't, I can't fault them yet. I I just have to see what happens. I wouldn't I wouldn't have given him all that money. But right, right. I think that's the bigger problem. Like I cannot reward or congratulate a team from moving on a from moving on from a contract that this same fr- front office signed off on so happily several months ago. Right. Like that's that's the bottom so, line. Yeah, I agree. So now that's the Clippers. What do you think about the Pistons? I think this was a you-have-to-do-it move because, I mean, from all reports, the Clippers were the ones shopping Blake. It wasn't even like the Pistons were going out there like, what can I give you for Blake? Like, this was a deal that came across their table and was like, well, I think we have to do this. They're also a team that was desperately looking for a lift, 3-12 and in the last 15 games, spiraling, spiraling out of the playoffs, falling into the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference, they needed to do something to improve their team. And Stan Van Gundy, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Doc, but Stan Van Gundy, this might have been his final year if he didn't get if he doesn't get this team into the playoffs. You know, Arntellum, the owners, they they're looking at Stan like, "Hey, what are you what are you what are we really paying you for?" So, he needed to make this move. So, in that st- from that standpoint, it was almost a no-brainer because yeah, it's a big contract, but Stan Van Gundy, if things don't work out, Stan Van Gundy's not going to be here for the rest of that contract, you know? Yeah, I know. So that's one side of it. The other side of it, we can talk about the Blake contract and how it's going to look real ugly, and that's a lot of money. I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. That's still not the worst contract in the NBA right now. It's not even close to the worst contract in the NBA. You know, you got other teams, like the Wizards, Gave four years over a hundred million dollars to Otto Porter. Otto Porter is averaging thirteen points per game, and this is only the first year of that deal. Timothy Mozgov is still getting paid. Luol Deng is still getting paid. You know, I can go on and on and on with these with these uh, contracts. Nicholas Batum is another one. You know, um, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, all of these guys are getting paid high AAVs and are not even half of the player Blake Griffin is. It's a lot of money, but yeah, you're at least you're paying a lot of money for superstar talent. Right. I agree. 
So that's the, that's the thing. So to me, I think it makes sense. I I also think that you know people made some jokes that this is basically like making the Pistons into Clippers East because you know you swapping Drummond for Deion, DeAndre for Drummond, and then you know Reggie Jackson's like the low budget Chris Paul. But I don't necessarily see it that way. For one, I don't see it that way either. Cause I think Drummond is better than DeAndre. I agree. I also think that Drummond is much better. I, especially in terms of being a playmaker, like Drummond actually passes the ball. He actually keeps the ball moving. I mean, this is, this is a totally different game plan. Like instead of thinking of it, thinking of it the way Blake and DeAndre played, you could probably think of it more along the lines of how. Davis and Cousins played just without the second three-point shooter. So instead of the option to pick and pop is more is gonna be you know strictly pick and roll, but you can run pick and rolls with Blake and Drummond. Blake is a right. great passer. Drummond's a great role man. Drummond's also a great passer if the role is not there. And you you kept you kept your shooters. I mean they don't have a lot of good shooters, but you kept the shooters that you have. Like you kept Bullock. You kept Kennard. You know, you kept those guys, and they still got um, Bryce Johnson and Willie Reed as well in this deal. So Bryce, you know, Bryce Johnson, Bryce Wallace, or Bryce Johnson, I forgot. But anyway, but he he was putting in some quality minutes for the Clippers. He was actually a he was actually a pleasant surprise this year. That's a player they can enter into their rotation. So yeah, you you moved on from Tobias Harris, but they might have had some buyer's remorse with that contract as well. Avery Bradley's a free agent at the end of this year anyway. Boban, he wasn't playing much. And the picks that you're giving up, they might not even be that great of uh, that great picks when it all comes down to it. So you got pieces you would turn. Like, it was a lot to send back, like, collectively. But when you look at all those, when you look at each of those players and those assets individually, they're all assets that you would give up in a heartbeat if you can get a talent like Blake Griffin. Exactly. So it's a great deal on the part of the Pistons. I I love it. When when I heard that they made that trade, I know some people were saying that that's kind of crazy, you know, why the Pistons giving up so much. But, I mean, it's not like they were in the playoffs right now as it, as it was. I mean, they're not like they were top four in the, in the East. They were struggling. So... If you can get rid of those players and still get a player of Blake's caliber, guy who's deservedly so should be an MVP, mm-hmm. why not? You know, you now you got two MVPs on your team. Not MVP, I said MVP, all stars rather. Yeah. You get two all stars on your team, potentially. So I like it. I like it a lot. So, yeah, I do, I do too. I mean, we'll have to see how they look when Reggie Jackson comes back in there as well. But. I think what's going to happen is, first of all, Reggie Jackson is not a great point guard in general. He's not the best playmaker. You know, I think putting the ball more in Blake's hands is going to be much better for that team's offense. And, yeah, Blake's not the greatest three-point shooter, but if if you're putting him in actions where he can be the the main ball handler, like kind of like the point forward, that kind of minimizes the necessity of him having a consistent three-point shot. And if you're running pick and roll with him and Drummond, that opens up the space for everyone else. And you, so you can put Kennard, you can put Ishmith, you can put Reggie Bullock, Anthony Tolliver. You can put all those guys into space, and they can hit open shots. 
dropping the pace in space. Yeah. I like exactly. So I, I think this is a good move. Um, I, I think we're kind of like against the grain on this where people think it was a much better move for the Clippers and the Pistons are just kind of desperate and dumb. But, I mean, eventually they, they got a new stadium they're they're trying to make moves. Eventually, you got you gotta get in the playoffs. You gotta get this fan base something to want to cheer for. And now, you're you're probably gonna make the playoffs because you know John Wall just got his knee scoped. That's that. That's, who knows what's gonna happen with the Wizards now? He's gonna be out about two months. That there's your opening right there. Philly is still up and down. They're not consistent enough to to just lock them in for a spot. And you know the Pacers are still have around there too. Those are three teams that you could easily, you could easily pass to get into eighth, seventh, even the sixth seed in the East. So, I think this was a good move for them. I know, I know, a lot of people think this is a better move for the Clippers. I actually don't like this move for the Clippers. I just feel like. I feel like this trade put them further into no man's land rather than gave them a clearer path on where to go moving forward. Yeah, they just got a collection of players. That's pretty much it. They got mm-hmm. a bunch of players who are who have potential, who are good, but we're not talking about players, difference makers, yeah. not like a Blake. And, and I guess it really depends on how you feel about Tobias Harris. Like, I think he's a good player. Like, I wouldn't call him a blue chipper at this point so when you look at all the other superstars that have been traded so far this summer and and this season i mean most of the time a a blue chipper or an asset that can be turned that can become a blue chipper was was involved you know um when Kyrie got traded they sent you know i mean he was injured but they sent the guy in isaiah thomas that was getting mvp um, consideration they sent that Brooklyn pick which even right now is probably going to be top 10 top 8 which is still a potential blue chip asset when you look at Jimmy the Jimmy Butler trade like you know people got on that trade but at least they got that 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 seventh pick which turned into Larry marketing Larry marketing looks like a blue chipper right now Paul George trade you know, Victor Oladipo was a guy who still had blue chip potential, and he's fulfilling that now in Indiana. So when you look at all that, I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. So and it's really weird that the that the Clippers did this now because which moves on moves me on to the next bit of news that we wanted to consider, which is you know this is very sad to hear, but you know Demarcus Cousins he's out for the year now, torn Achilles, out for the year. I mean, this is really going to hamper the Pelicans' playoff chances, but this we're also talking about a Clippers team that was already in the playoffs, and now they traded away their superstar. So, you know, the, the Pelicans, they're looking to make some other moves, so so maybe they could weather the storm now. What do you think? Yeah, this was a tough, tough, tough thing. I mean, I it hurt me to see Cousins get hurt like that. Yeah. Um. This definitely affects their playoff chances. I know that they tried to do something. They they made a trade today and get a meritage. I know they um, they're trying to get Greg Monroe. I I know they're trying to do these things, but that Cousins injury was 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 big. It was. Um, he was playing great, great All Star. Seeing him and Davis play together, 
I mean, it was just, it was, it was all clicking. It, everything started to, it started to seem like the plan that they put together when they brought Cousins in. It was starting to actually work. You started to see its potential. Yeah, it's tough. But at the same time, I think that the Pelicans are doing what you need to do at a time like this, which is don't give up. They're they're trying to get pieces to keep the team afloat. And just the fact that they were so active the past couple of days and trying to get someone to get on that team to at least provide an offensive punch and to get some additional players, that just shows that they're not giving up on this team. So while it was a tough break, you're not going to replace his talent level. Pelicans are doing in the interim. Yeah, I mean, I think, me personally, I while losing Cousins was a big blow, I think in terms of their playoff chances, getting a guy like Miritich, you know, possibly bringing in Greg Monroe after this buyout, I think those are moves that can steady the ship and they can still make the playoffs. I mean, a lot of it's going to fall back on the shoulders of Anthony Davis, but this team has gotten to the playoffs where 100% of the star responsibility was on Davis' shoulders before. But you mentioned the name Anthony Davis. We need him to stay healthy. Right. That's the thing. That's the whole thing. If he doesn't stay healthy, then now it it isn't as good as we thought it would be. If he stays healthy and he's able to stay healthy for the rest of the season and you're able to get solid contribution from the pickups and let's say you do make another trade at the deadline. Like you said, they can still make the playoffs. It's going to be harder, and you're you're just doing that. You're keeping the team afloat. Right. So so that's the Pelicans. I want to talk about this in terms of DeMarcus Cousins now, though, because DeMarcus Cousins, he tore his Achilles, and, I mean, it's always the worst possible time to tear your Achilles, but this year even more so was a – worse time than any other time for him to do so because he's going to be a free agent this summer and there's just no precedent for a superstar big man his age tearing their achilles heading into free agency like we don't have we don't we don't have the scenario to refer back to in the archives this is like never happened before so what happens to him does he still get a max contract and who's still offering that max contract to him I still think he gets a max contract. Okay. So you I, just, but with who? What, what what are some teams you think will still be in the running now? Hmm. I think the Lakers would. See, I don't think the Lakers are going to do that now. I think the Lakers would. I absolutely think the Lakers would. I think they'll wait and they'll sign him. I still think the Pelicans will. I still think they'll put a nice contract on the table for him so he'll that's, have that as a fallback option. That's the team to me. That's the team to me. I feel like at this point, at this point, the Pelicans are in too deep to not max him and hope for the best. Because, and this is part of the reason why they're making these moves now. Because, like you say, you like that they're not giving up. They don't have the choice. They cannot. They cannot call Anthony Davis into the front office 
right now into the you know into the GM's office, into the president's office, the owner's office. They can't bring him into that office and say, "Hey, look, cousins went down. We're gonna have to regroup. You know, we're looking to re- we're gonna look to re-sign him in the summer, but we're gonna we're gonna have to regroup, get as good of a pick as we can this year, and try again next year." They can't do that. Because Anthony Davis is getting wandering eyes. He, I'm not. Well, let me not say he is, but it's possible that he's already getting wandering eyes. This franchise has done very little the entire time he's been there. They got him gift wrapped at the first overall pick, and they've squandered so many years of his career there already. They cannot afford to do that again. And in conjunction with that, I feel like. They made this big push last year to get Cousins in to bring give to show Davis, hey, look, we gave you another superstar to play with. I feel like they're gonna feel committed to having to re-sign Demarcus Cousins even despite this injury. Even if they do, I don't think it's a bad thing. Well, it all depends on Cousins' recovery. But this is the thing that scares me, though. This, I mean, he's a phenomenal talent and amazing player. He's not in great shape. He's not in great shape, and now this dude tore his Achilles, where he basically has to lay up on the couch for the next five months before he can do anything. You're going to say he's going to, like, fill himself with powdered donuts all this time? And I'm not. I'm not saying what he's gonna eat. I'm just saying he's a big dude, and it's it takes a lot to manage his body's his body type. For all I know, he could be working in the gym every day, and that's and that's as good as he can get it. But if that's the case, that's even scarier for for him to not have this Achilles injury. Like that. That's my main thing. Like he's young enough where I think he could bounce back from it. But his body type, his, his level of athleticism, and I don't, you know, he may or may not have a great work ethic to add all that to this Achilles injury. It's scary, man. It's scary. It is scary. But he's motivated, and the fact that he's a free agent, he's going to want to show that he can stay in shape. And so even with this Achilles injury, I think while he's hurt, He's going to do what he can to stay in some kind of shape. And, yeah, he's a big dude, but, hey, when when you're facing a contract, especially your contract year, and you're hoping to get paid, he's going to do what it takes to make sure that by the time it comes July that he at least is able to show that he's in some sort of shape. So, yeah, I know. It's I just... wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about that too much. It's in the Achilles, though. If you were in contract and – you know, he knew he was getting paid no matter what. Then I say, you know what, maybe he would slouch off a little bit, you know, and gain a few pounds, and it'll take a little yeah. longer for him to get back. But he's motivated. He'll be motivated to get back. And so far, I mean, he's saying all the right things, and he'll be all right. I, yeah. I feel pretty confident he'll be yeah. all right. So so you think the Lakers will still be in on him, the Pelicans will still be in on him. I, I think it's the Pelicans. I think that's the team that's gonna give him the, the, the max contract. Plus he can get the fifth well no, he well he can't get the super max from them because of the Kings traded him. But they he can he still they can still offer him, I think, the most money out of any team. So you know 
we'll we'll see. But it, it's tough. That that was really tough news, and it. I don't know, man. It's just funny. It's like Team LeBron, like the team LeBron chose for the All Star team. Like they're just getting picked off one by one. Cousins goes out with torn Achilles. John Wall gets his knee scoped. He's out two months. And then now Kevin Love breaks his hand. Kevin Love. So after that team meeting where they call him out, they say, oh, you you left us hanging because you left the game when you were feeling sick. Now after all that, he breaks his hand. So I wonder if they're going to hold a, another team meeting and yell at him for letting his hand get broken. What do you think, Leif? <laughs> You know they're gonna blame him for something. Some for some reason he's gonna get blamed. You know you got hurt. We were right about the we were about to trade you, and now you decide to get hurt. There's something that's gonna come up. I don't know. They're gonna blame him. Yeah, I mean uh, was, that's that's tough, man. And even when I saw the, when I saw the replay, it didn't seem like anything. But you know, wow, that, that's kind of the the problem with love now, right? Because. I saw like they had the they had the chart, a picture of him where they had the diagram of all the injuries he had. He's broken each hand twice. <laughs> like how does that happen? He's broken his left and right hand twice. Like how does that happen? I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but. You know, the under injuries, you know, like the dislocated shoulder, that was a fluke injury. I mean, Olenek, like, literally, like, ripped his shoulder out from its socket, you know. Um, you can't really get on him for that. And then he had the knee injury, but that, that, you know, you can't really get on anybody for that. Sometimes you just, you know, you fall the wrong way or, you you know, you try to push off in, a, in, the, in the wrong way and the knee gives out. And he's been fine after that. Like, his game has not been affected because of that knee injury or anything like that. He's just very, he's an injury injury prone dude, though. And so he's out for a considerable amount of time. And, but also, like, this is a crushing blow for the, for the Cavs, who weren't playing well as it was. And now they lose pretty much their second best player for several weeks now it's tough oh it's tough i know yeah so i want to ask you something i want to ask you something so with this can is this possibly finally it for them like this is the year like this is it like we always say oh don't worry don't worry about the regular season they're gonna they're gonna get it together and then in the playoffs they'll they'll be fine but now is it going to be perhaps too steep of a hill to climb back up at this point? I think the Cavs will stay afloat. I don't think I don't think they're going to again be that first seed or second seed. But I don't I think they're gonna go through some tough stretch. I mean, they already went through a tough stretch. I mean, January's been hard on them. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean to say the least, yes. But I think they'll stay afloat. Now I do. Remember, uh, Miami is only a game and a half behind them for the third seed. Um, you know, they're they're thirty and twenty. Miami is twenty nine, twenty two. Washington is twenty and twenty two. Now we have to wonder if Washington's gonna take a dip with John Wall missing. The, the, 
Pacers are 29 and 23. The Bucks are 27 and 22. All of those teams are right behind Cleveland. And and the Bucks are surging. You know, they won a few in a row after getting firing Jason Kidd. Miami had been playing really well after after a rough start to the season. Um you know, Indiana starting to get their second win, I think, after losing some games earlier earlier on this month and in the last month. They Cavs might be in a dog fight just to stay at three. That's why I don't think it's very possible for them to stay at three. I think they're gonna have a little slide. So, I think it's inevitable, especially with love gone. Okay, so and if, if they have, fall to four or five or even six, because that's, that's in play here. You know, the Pacers are only two and a half games behind them for the third seed, and they're currently at six. So if we get into a scenario where it's April and the Cavs are fourth or fifth, even sixth, would you still say you know what, they're still the favorites to come out of the East in the playoffs. That is a very good question. And to answer that, I'm going to say they still have to be the favorites. Wow. And LeBron, he trust, huh? he's just the X factor. Um, And I I still will have to put him there. And we're still not taking into consideration any deals that they're going to make by next week. And their yearly... um, Right, but but who are these moves? Who are these moves? But who are these guys? Because, like, for instance, Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe gets bought out. They should be doing whatever they could to get Greg Monroe right now. And they're not even in the front running right now because the Pelicans are the front runners. And if the Pelicans don't get him, it's widely reported Boston is going to make a move and try and get him. So they're like third or fourth in the pecking order of even being an interesting target for Greg Monroe to come to. And after Greg Monroe, all the other options are, are washed up. Or, you know, guys, you know, at the end of their rope, you know, we're talking about George Hill. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is not really going to move the needle for Cleveland. And then uh, unless they're going to – and then this is the problem. Unless they're going to move that Brooklyn pick, they can't even get Lou Williams or DeAndre Jordan. Think about that. Like, look, think about all their other assets that they have and how unappealing that they are. That they have to use the Brooklyn pick, ju- Brooklyn pick, just to get somebody like Lou Williams or DeAndre Jordan. That is true. So unless, unless you get creative and you make Thomas available, Isaiah Thomas. Well, you know, Windhorse was saying that he was telling Zach Lowe on. Last week, that Zach Zach was giving out trade scenarios, and Winners was like, "You should basically treat Isaiah Thomas as their their best expiring contract asset," which is where we're at. I mean, he clearly is not fitting with the team, even beyond coming back from injury. 
I, I don't think he's happy there either. Like, it's kind of clear that he, he's not really happy being in Cleveland. He's probably already over the dysfunction there after coming from Boston. And he's starting to voice himself maybe a little too much. Oh, yeah, he is. And it, it's clearly, like, almost like, yeah, I dare you to trade me type of thing. It's, which is very interesting. So, so I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you, I'm glad we brought up Isaiah Thomas because here's the deal. Thomas is a horrible fit for this team, and I think you're starting to see some of the problems with having Thomas on this team, and you're starting to see why Kyrie was special for this team. Yeah, just look at Thomas. I mean. Last year, he averaged, what, 28 points a game, let's say. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's at 15 points a game. He has the worst defensive rating of any player in the last 25 years. <laughs> I mean, small sample size. Small sample size, no pun intended. But at the same time, do you see it get any better? I mean, he's... He's not there for his defense. He never was. He had he was a terrible defensive player in Boston. He was just so good on offense it was worth keeping him on the court. Okay, so you so he's really bad defensively, but he's giving you 15 points a game. Is that enough to justify him playing? Well, the problem is see, he was not supposed to rehab and work himself into game shape on a team in crisis. Exactly. He was supposed to be able to play 10, 15 minutes a game, get himself into game shape, and take his time. That's why I honestly feel at this point, you know, if you want to get him to game shape, if you want him to get some stress off, he should be in the G League. I don't think he wanted to be. I don't think he wanted to be. Of course he didn't want to be. Because he did like like a practice in the G League, and then he did like one game, and then he came up. I think... No I th- one wants to be in the G League. Well, well, I think certain players don't have a stigma to it because I, there's been a couple other guys who've played like two, three, maybe even a week in the G League before they came up just so they could actually feel like they got the rust off. You know, Isaiah didn't even wait for... He didn't even wait to get the rust off. He played like one game. He's like, all right, I did this. Now now bring me up. And, you know, he. And the only reason I'm saying it like that is because he's been kind of carrying that attitude lately. If you see, like, if you hear his comments at before and after games, things like that. You know, if you see how, how Love, like, sarcastically handed him the ball after the rebound one game, I don't know if you saw that. Oh, I saw that. That was funny. Yeah, and and if I'm love, I'm on love side on that because you and love are supposed to go way back. I mean, you and it are supposed to go way back, and it just got there, just came back from injury, and he's the one pointing you out, like you left the team hanging. Like there's some serious dysfunction in that locker room, and and if you really wanted to try and make this trade work like this this was the worst possible set of circumstances to bring him back into because remember this before he came to boston he had his issues like 
he bumped heads with DeMarcus Cousins in Sacramento. When he was on Phoenix, he, he was kind of a malcontent in Phoenix, which is why they traded him in the first place and why they were just willing to get whatever they could back to move him. And, you know, Boston uh, capitalized on that. And when he was in Boston, they, you know, Brad Stevens, he knew how to, how to manage him. And he, and he made him the focal point, and Isaiah Thomas really enjoyed that, and he played very well. But Boston now, and his, you know, and his behavior in Boston now seems like the outlier, outlier and not the norm when you look at the other three stops he's been on in his, in his career. And I'm saying this as the same guy that said that it was dirty how Boston did him, and, you know, this dude, this dude has a lot of heart. He gave a lot to that team. But at the same time, he's been he's in a situation now where those other qualities, those that other side of him that we didn't we didn't see for a while, I, I feel like it's coming back out. Yep, and so that's where one season, a season and a half, can totally change what someone thinks about a player. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why Boston wasn't afraid to trade him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they might have been dealing with a lot of this stuff closed doors, but as long as they were winning and as long as he was getting fed the ball, they were able to keep it at bay. Who knows? So you said trade him. Now, now, what realistically can you get for Isaiah Thomas at this point? Nothing. Like, can you even get, like, Tyreek Evans or Lou Williams back in a trade no. for IT right now? No. Which is know. which is crazy, which is crazy to think about. Um, and so he's an aspiring contract. Who's gonna who's mm-hmm. gonna want to take an aspiring contract with a guy with a bad hip? And he's an expiring contract, not even performing as well as the two guys I just mentioned. Exactly. So it's not like you're gonna just trade him and get a Blake Griffin type of deal. You're gonna trade him, and you're gonna have to probably add Channing Fry. And probably Shump or something like that. To you're you're in a position to buy, not even to sell. That's how bad it is right now. So, yeah, I mean, and so and then so we're talking about they're gonna make moves. I don't right. I mean, there may be a move that comes out of nowhere. I mean, we've seen a couple trades come out of nowhere already so far this season. But I feel like the names that got moved already were kind of maybe guys they should have been looking at, like even Nikola Mirotic. That might have been somebody they should have looked at. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he do, he doesn't do much for you on defense, but this team already is is terrible on defense, and they have a lot of. But they also are not that great offensively. And I know you were saying LeBron's the X factor, but do you put anything to? And I'm not a plus minus guy. I really don't like the stat. But me neither. For the month of January, LeBron for the first time in his career had a negative. Um, plus minus score as a player for like the first time ever in his career. Now, I'm not saying that this means that LeBron played bad or poorly. I'm not saying that. But what I do think this is indicating is that LeBron's at a point in his career or that this Cleveland Cavalier team is so far gone that not even LeBron's elite level of play can rise them back to contender status. 
I don't know. <laughs> that's that's what it's telling me. I'm not looking at this and like saying, "Oh, LeBron's playing like crap." I mean, even though he he did not play well in the month of January to his standards, right? And he did not play well. and a lot of that is, you know, that three point shooting that was looking so good, it came back down to earth. And you know, some other things like that. And then with all the dysfunction, he wasn't playing on defense. Also, too, he was burning both ends. Of the he he was bur- burning both ends like that whole month of December, especially when they went on that twelve game winning streak. You know, I told you I didn't think that that was sustainable, and I think we're seeing that. And I think he's burnt out. And I think he's burnt out. But I also think that this team is in such shambles, like everything, like the chemistry, the execution, the attention to detail i think this team is so far gone in all of those facets that not even someone as great as lebron can bring them up to a positive level and i also think like you were saying he's gassed he's not 28 he's not 27 anymore he can't just keep doing this and the team is just gonna keep getting dragged along with him to an elite status i don't i i don't think those days are here anymore i think he needs more of a higher floor for him to operate in. So, what do you say? Are are you saying that LeBron is the problem? I'm not saying LeBron is the problem. I think we finally hit the point in his career and how bad this team is that not even LeBron is enough to cover the the weaknesses of this team and say that they are still the best team in the East and will come out the East. They're not the best team in the East. They're not. That that that's not true. Yeah. I like, I, st- I just th- yeah, I just think that they they're going through a period where they're trying to find identity and every year they get to this point. This is the worst I've ever seen. I've never seen it to the point where you have this this back and forth and LeBron went from being an MVP candidate to I don't even think he's top third right now, fourth. He's not even looking like himself. And I think he's not he's not having fun. I know he's not having fun. It's just not coming together. It's just a team of mediocrity. And that's what we've come to, to see with the Cavs. So... Is it all LeBron's fault? No. I think there are chemistry issues. I think Isaiah Thomas plays a big factor in the chemistry issues. I think he's a big problem over there in Cleveland. And LeBron, he has to be a leader for this team. But being a leader requires more than just being a leader on the court. And I think he has to also bring that off the court as well. Not sure if he has the ability to do that. That's the um, thing. That's the thing. You said like he has to be a leader, but how can he be a leader when there's all this talk about where he's gonna go next season? Exactly. You know, like all of the all of the turmoil in that locker room, he's invited to me with with this. You know, when you're when we're hearing about how, you know, guys like Jimmy Butler or Paul George could have ended up on this team, but a lot of the reason they didn't was because either players or front office or ownership just 
were almost certain LeBron wasn't going to come back, so they couldn't they couldn't realistically make the move or the player themselves didn't want to go into that go into that team with the uncertainty um you know that's enveloping him. I mean, the part of the reason Kyrie is gone is because of that uncertainty. The team tried to make moves to leverage their future in case LeBron left. And that was why Kyrie was on the trade block for the draft day. He found out. He also saw the writing on the ro- writing on the wall and said, let me get out now before I'm left holding this bag when LeBron walks in the summer. There, there's all these different things. And, you know, how do you keep guys like Shumpert, J.R. Smith, even Tristan Thompson now because, you know, Tristan Thompson is is a quote unquote celebrity. He's he's dating a Kardashian and all this stuff. He's feeling himself too. Like, how do you keep guys like that in line if you're LeBron and you've got pretend, you've got potentially one foot out the door? You can't because they're like you have to because right now anything he says will all go out the window come the summer. Yeah, especially if he goes to another team, like, so he doesn't have a voice. Like all of this is inviting everyone's bad habits to come out, you know, um, and and that's why I feel like that's why there's so much dysfunction. Like even with, even with a guy like Derrick Rose, you know, he goes on a on a self imposed sabbatical leave of absence, and now we found out we find out that that was po- he he possibly eloped while he was away from the team, how he was quote unquote considering his basketball future. I mean, you have a lot more freedom to do stuff like that when the best player on the team cannot speak freely to call you out on what you're doing because you all know he's playing games himself. Exactly. So, you know, and I feel like his gameplay has been unimpeachable. Like, you can't really talk about his gameplay He's 33. He's like, what is it? Like 15. He's in his 15th season and he's still playing like a top two, top three player level. Like, you can't complain about that. He's putting up video game numbers. But, you know, the personality, the drama, the turmoil, the speculation, all of that he's bringing to the table has weighed this team down. And, and I, I feel like it's it got to the point where it's fractured now. Like, the team is just fractured. And who's going to put this team back together? Who's going to be the, the guy who galvanizes this team? Because remember, too, they don't got they don't have guys like James Jones, Richard Jefferson, you know, guys that, the, that everyone liked on the team that could be leaders. Now, you're, now your veteran leadership is... LeBron and Dwayne Wade, and LeBron and Dwayne Wade only care about LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Exactly. And now you're seeing all the stuff come back. You don't have that veteran who's on the team who can be on the bench and just talk to you. You know what? Now you kind of appreciate where James Jones yeah. was doing. Yeah, and, and RJ and Richard Jefferson. I mean, you got Fry and Corver, but apparently those guys don't don't move the needle like that. And, and, you know, behind the scenes, you know, Calderon, he, he's not even American. And you know how some players are with stuff like that. And 
that you know who's that guy now you know and Ty Lu Ty Lu's not gonna do it everyone knows the whole reason Ty Lu is even in power as the head coach exactly so to to answer the question there isn't anyone who has that voice there isn't anyone who can provide that leadership like James Jones who right now maybe he should be they should consider him the MVP of Cleveland I mean you think about it (laughs) the fact that he kept everything together I mean he he, all the stuff that you don't see on the court is the kind of thing he did behind the scenes and maybe that's why GM LeBron Hmm. value guys like that he brought them over uh, all I know is LeBron James has never won a ring without James Jones. That's all I know. <laughs> hey, you know what? As crazy as it sounds, that's is what it is. That's that's what it is. Oh, all right. You know, so I think that that I think not to keep belaboring the point. I think we'll stop there. But you know, I'm gonna say it now. I I think this Cavs team is is a second round exit team right now. I don't. Well, well, as as of today, yes. But I still think there's some changes and some other stuff that's going to happen. We'll see. I mean, you're probably right. And, you know, if those moves happen, we got to consider that. But something drastic is going to have to happen. Because at this current pace, I honestly believe that they're going to get bumped in the second round. Um, because they're gonna end up in the fourth or fifth seed, and then they're gonna end up playing. They're gonna have to play the Celtics in the first round, in the second round, and the way they're playing right now, I mean, Celtics are probably gonna beat them. The way the Celtics are playing, yes, and, and I, I would even be afraid of Toronto. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, Boston hasn't even been playing that great lately. They've been on a slide. Or else they could have really, like, pulled away um, from from a team like the Cavs. Um, and Miami has caught up ground, and they just got Whiteside back. They were, they were catching up ground without even one of their best players. So, you know, that's kind of scary. And, I mean... If Washington, if Wall didn't go down, Washington would probably be right on their heels too. Although Washington has been a massive disappointment this year. I mean, considering the the way Washington and Milwaukee has disappointed this year, Cavs they're kind of fortunate to be third in the East right now. That is true. Like imagine imagine if the Wizards came out and and performed like they should have as professionals and took care of the teams they were supposed to take care of and and had a record that was more accurate to their talent level. They would be the third team in the East right now. Right, and we'll be talking about a whole complete different ball game right now. You know, and if all of this all of this turmoil with Jason Kidd and the underachievement hadn't happened, where would Milwaukee be? I would have to imagine at least a, a top three, top four team in in the in the East. I and, agree, sir. And, and I think that is all the things that's playing out now. Mm-hmm. And I swear, that's where I see that the gap in the Eastern Conference is starting to, to narrow, where before you were top-heavy, and now you're starting to see these other teams get better, and now you're starting to see stuff that, I mean, 
I wouldn't have thought Cleveland would go through these kind of problems. But they are, especially when you have a, a team of veterans. And now these veterans are now bickering and there's so much so much turmoil in that locker room. It yeah. almost makes you wonder like are they gonna be their own doing? And I think I think that's what's gonna happen. They're going to be they're going to cause their own collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they already are. I mean, they're really a team self-imploding. Because if this team put aside the drama, they're probably still the best team in the East. But probably. When you you know when you put that drama, well, let me not say, but you know they wouldn't. The the chemistry is what's, you know, kind of putting a spotlight. And accentuating all of this team's struggles, um, you know, because you know nobody's playing for each other. Everybody's playing for themselves, and then they're not a team with, they're not a team that is that's in its prime. You know, there's a lot of that. A lot of that lineup is past their prime. So when you got a lot of guys past their prime, you don't have the athlete athleticism and defense, and then you don't have the chemistry. I mean, they're they're fortunate to be third in the East right now. So. I mean, I, it will to be continued, but you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I I don't I think this is actually gonna be the year. I think say you know, this this smells like a second round exit waiting to happen. We've seen how we've seen how team LeBron teams have disappointed when he doesn't when he's not engaged fully or when he has one foot out the door, and this this looks like one another one of those years. I agree. This seems like one of these years, and there's something for us to pay attention to. It's a, it's a storyline. It keeps coming up every yeah. week, it seems, because it's just something that it's just crazy when you think about it. I mean, you can't fight it. Like, you know, before we started this pod, we would talk about oh, why everybody talks about LeBron all the time, all the time. But, you know, as we would try to record every week, and you think about the things that are happening around the league, they keep coming up as a main story and this isn't even and yeah ESPN runs all this stuff like but I think we're doing a good job of talking about what needs to be talked about because it's not like we're running wild with that LeBron to the Warriors rumor that ESPN felt like dropping this week we're not even like we, we I mentioned it but we haven't really given any credence to that we're talking about the actual basketball and even when it comes to actual basketball, like they're a talking point because they've been in the finals the last four years. They've been the number one seed in the East. They've been the top team in the East the last four years. They got the best player in of this of this era on their team. Like you have to talk about it if they're underachieving at the level that they are. You gotta talk about it. That's the topic. Everyone talks about it. And only thing we're gonna keep talking about is the things that's hot. And yeah. Right now, their collapse, what they're talking about, what's going on in the team is what's hot. Everyone's thinking about it. So we'll be remiss if we didn't talk about it. So there it is. That's why. There it is. But let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about something fun. Please, let's change it. Let's change it up. So we've had some, we got some all-star placements and we have dunk contest participant names. Let's start off with the all-star placements. So for the Marcus Cousins, we had Paul George. 100% agree with that. 100. For 
was John Wall. We had Andre Drummond, 100%. Yeah. And for replacing Kevin Love, we had Goran Dragic. That was a little surprising, but you know what? I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at that either. He's been he's been playing great. I mean, he's probably been severely underrated like the last four years, I would say, as a player. He's he's a really good player, really smart player. You know, he, he makes your team better. So, you know, and he is the biggest reason why Miami plays so well. So give it to him. I'm okay with that. Yeah, you gotta give it. You give it to him. That's fine. All right. So now let's go to the dunk contest participants. So we got Victor Oladipo, one-time champ, returning champ, Aaron Gordon, Larry Nance Jr., and rookie phenom Dennis Smith Jr. What do you think about those names? I like them. Yeah. Um, I already have my winner in mind already. Okay, that was my next one. Who who do you think is gonna win it? Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis, it 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 seems poised for him to win it, right? Like this seems like this is his, you know, blow up moment, his like star moment. This is how he like makes his name a household name, you know. This is his. It's right there. But I'm gonna go with. Now, you know, I'm not going to say Nance. I'm not going to I'm not going to be a homer and say Larry Nance is going to win it. Although I think he'll do pretty good. I think Oladipo. I think Oladipo wants to win this. I think he wants to win this. I think he's tired of being slept on. I think he's tired of being underrated. He's finally got a situation where he's the man in Indiana. He's he probably sees himself in that upper tier as a superstar two guard, a two-way player, uh, you know, number one go-to playmaker. And he probably wants to put his name, he want, He probably wants to put his name in this and put his stamp as one of the slam dunk winners like all of these other guys like Kobe, Vince, Jordan, you know, you name the you name the two guard that started blowing up, or the guard that started blowing up, and and won the slam dunk contest. He wants to be talked in, in in that breath, in that in that stratosphere. And I think he could be. So I'm gonna go with Oladipo. He's my he's my he's my choice. I like your Dennis Smith choice. I'm surprised neither one of us went with Aaron Gordon, even though he's won it before and has done some banana dunks. Yeah, but I'm not sure whether or not he has anything original left. Yeah, I also wonder if he like still has his heart in it, or you know, if he just got asked to do it, so he's doing it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, he. He probably should be the the front runner to win this, but you got Dennis Smith. I got a little depot. We'll see who's gonna win it. I'm just hoping this is actually an entertaining one. Sometimes it could be hit or miss, but Aaron Gordon kind of like raises the floor of how good this could be. So I'm hoping the other guys, Smith, Nance, Oladipo, they make it a good battle. So yeah, you got any thoughts on it? 
it's, it's going to be a good battle. I'm not worrying about Nance. I don't think Nance. I think Nance is probably going to be last. Sorry. No offense. None but taken. None taken. I, I definitely see Dennis Smith, Owen Depot at the end. I think they're going to be the ones to battle it, at, battle it out at the end. All right. That's good. All right. So, you know what we're going to do now, as we do every week now, this new feature, we're going to get to Leif's Dude and Dud of the Week. Oh man, I'm gonna start off with the dude, the dude, James Harden. Yes, yes. Talk about a messed around and got a triple double. Yeah. Sixty points, first Six, ever. Sixty point triple double, amazing. Wow, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. They're playing a high level of basketball right now. Very exciting to watch them. Yeah, I mean, no arguments here. You got it, man. So, right. so that's your dude. Who, who's your dud? Who's your dud? Oh, my dud of the week is going to Isaiah Thomas. Mm. I had it. I gave it to him. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'm going to give it to him. He's talking a little bit too much, and I think he's yeah. actually part of the problem mm-hmm. with the chemistry with that team right now. Add that to the fact that he's coming back from injury. He's not playing at a high level. He's averaging almost half the points he averaged last season, and he has the worst defensive rating of any player in the last 25 years, and there is no sight in that getting any better, but it seems that He's doing a lot of finger pointing and finger typing when it comes to Twitter. It just seems like it's just too much. I mean, his last tweet, if I can find that, in that tweet, he says that he he says something about the haters. He says, forget about the haters. Remember, hater hours, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., closed on weekends and holidays why are you oh do you know why he was saying that though do you know why he was saying that because people were hating on him no because he he decided that this week or today or yesterday of all days that he was going to do a twitter q a he was going to put himself out there to do a twitter q of a q a and of course, all the fans were extremely savage with the questions they were asking him. What did he think was going to happen? That, but you know, that's what's like really strange about like his headspace right now. It's really weird. Like, <laughs> like people was like, he opened it up to a Q and A, and like the fans are like. When are you gonna start playing defense? Like, um, <laughs> you know, just like stuff like that. Like, do you realize you have the worst defensive rating in the league? You know, like, do you understand that you're like shooting like terribly from the field? Like, just like every everything like you can think of, people are just going in. So he's. I still agree with you on the third of the week, but that's some context behind the, the tweet. But but th- that's just one. Yeah, one it's just thing. one. It's just one thing amongst. It's just a. It's just a small thing. It's like a microcosm of like the whole Isaiah Thomas experience right now. 
Yeah, he's gone from being hot to right now no one even cares. I mean, we care about him. It's just that it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And right now, there's nothing for us to hold our, to look at and say, you know what? Here he is. You know, you can't even, you're not getting any trade value from him. He's just there. So, yep, I'm going to give you my dud of the week, Isaiah Thomas. And I hope that, you know, I do want you to get healthy. I do actually want you to play better and actually contribute. And I don't, I don't want to see Cleveland stink. I like when, I mean, I want them to play hard. I want them to be competitive. And it's kind of, I mean, it's giving us stuff to talk about. So how mad can I really be? But yeah, Isaiah Thomas, yeah. You really got on my nerve this week. Well, there you have it. There's where that was Lace Dude and Dud of the Week. Um, We didn't hit you with our new segment, Ball Movement, but we're going to bring that back next week. Uh, There was just so many things we wanted to kind of talk in depth about, so it was kind of hard to do a quick Q&A like that. We'll bring it around next week, though. want to thank everybody for listening this week once again. You know where to find us. If not, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pace and Space Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Pace and Space Pod. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Overcast. Those are the best places to find us. And... Sometimes I write on Medium. Check me out, medium.com slash caldan384, which is also my Twitter handle, caldan384. Leif is at LeifDBryan. And also wanted to say, you know, sad news this week about Razul Butler and his wife. That was really sad to hear. I always liked him as a player. You know, he wasn't a star, but I always enjoyed him. He could hit a... He was always good for a clutch three here and there. So really hard, really sad news to hear about what happened with him this week. And Leif, talk to the people. Yeah, glad you brought that up. It's really sad to hear about that. And yeah, I mean, he said he was a good player, professional. That's what you want from your players. So, but as always, I'd like to thank you all for listening and take it easy. Yeah, and as always, stay woke and stay mellow.